0: It's time now to go beyond the headlines and for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches, offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 insiders. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday out there to you and you and you and you, not you and you, James. Happy Friday to you, man. Uh, welcome into the show, everybody. It's the All Star break. What do we do now?
1: We I don't, don't watch basketball.
0: <laughs> what do I? I don't. I don't really know what to do with myself. I'm gonna have to find some college stuff to watch. Yeah, uh, I know Caitlin Clark is a is is must see TV. <clears throat> Congratulations to her. She set the new NCAA women's uh, record for career points. Uh, that was pretty cool, and she did so with a three from like a step beyond the logo. Because why not? It's yeah
1: 49 points right
0: yeah there's a yeah. light light work yeah. i think i believe it was the iowa school record for points in a game so she set that at the same time she was setting the career points mark uh, <laughs> this is uh amazing what uh what she's doing and what she's doing for kind of the growth of the women's sport is 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 really really cool uh, um the other thing, James, I want to talk to you about before we get to we'll get to All-Star Weekend stuff. We'll talk about some of the NBA action last night <clears throat> and then we'll we will kind of spin forward uh, what we're looking at in the Western Conference throughout, you know, what we've seen in the first half, what we expect to see in the second half. We'll give our midseason awards. We'll do all that jazz. But before we get to that, uh, James, I would like your reaction to finding out that Rob Manfred is getting a five year extension and will be the MLB commissioner. Uh, until
1: 2029
0: um hmm yeah I, g-rated I, we're on the radio
1: i was really hoping that <laughs> um that he would retire two years ago I, I just think he's a pathetic excuse for a moron and shouldn't be anywhere near professional sports um mm-hmm. just an absolute trash cow down to bad owners uh commissioner that again, is an embarrassment uh to the game of baseball in a way that I don't think there's ever been outside of maybe Pete Rose. Uh just an absolute tool and I wish that he would have retired last year. Oh, but hey, good for him. Five year extension.
0: Dude, he is I don't I, I because of because of some there's like historical stuff that I'm not 100 percent on, so I can't confidently say that Rob Manfred would be the worst commissioner in in sports ever. But I will say that he is probably the worst commissioner in any sport in my lifetime, and that's the thing. you have to go a ways to do that.
1: Yeah, especially um, with uh, with the NFL commissioner being not great either. That yeah, Goodell
0: up. Goodell is is pretty bad, too, but. It, the stuff with Mon- Amford goes beyond. Like, I, I'm I'm going to move the the A's f- aspect of it because obviously you and I are, are biased because of our ties to that team. I'm going to remove that entirely and thing of that entirely. It comes down to just not understanding what needs to happen to make baseball grow. Yeah, and to and to help the sport. Like honestly, it, and I I I didn't hate the rule changes actually. I, I don't I don't think that they were ultimately bad for the sport, whether it's the pitch clock or the bigger base, the eliminating the shift, whatever. I, I think that stuff is all ultimately and would ultimately be good over a ten or fifteen years. Whatever. The problem I have is the stuff like the marketing of players and the marketing of the sport, and just not understanding the. So they have licensed out their apparel to fanatics. Mm. And the jerseys are now made by this company, um, and they look terrible. They look really, really bad. If you go Google twenty twenty four MLB uniforms, you can find photos. They look fake. They look like ones that you would buy um, out on J Street after a game, or they get like, given yeah.
1: away uh, a giveaway night.
0: <laughs> right? Sure. That's a that's a great example. Yeah. So they don't. They look cheap. They look. They look bad they don't look like something I want to buy and wear on my body. And you have Rob Manfred, like, well, these have been tested more than any other Jersey and their performance wear. And after the players wear them for a while, people will start to like them. Like that's your strategy. I just, it, it, it's, it, it belied a cluelessness that I don't think bodes well for the future of the sport for the next five years, because the guy leading the way doesn't, know what people want and what people are looking for. Maybe people do want to buy a I don't know a a Julio Rodriguez jersey and they go into the team store and it's $175 to buy a piece of crap like nobody's going to do that. Yeah. And now you're limiting the growth of the sport in that way and I know that sounds silly. It's like it's a jersey people are going to wear around but that stuff matters especially to, to a casual fan that may not be tapped into 140 games a year but they want to pay attention to five, and they want to pay attention to the playoffs, and they want to wear a Julio Rodriguez jersey to say, like, "Yeah, I'm a Mariners fan." But they're not tapped in all the way. He's just losing, losing fans that baseball desperately needs. Yeah, and he's doing so because he stinks at his job.
1: It feels a little bit like he's George Costanza. You know, he's like he's coming up with the the cotton jersey that that shrinks and doesn't breathe in the heat. Like it's just it, it it's comical. It is like a Seinfeld uh, act. For me, it really does come down to like when you are a commissioner, you are a steward for the game. You're mm-hmm. you're only there for a finite amount of time, and once that that time is up, uh, mm-hmm. you you should have left the sport better than it was when you got it. And mm-hmm. I just don't see any way in which that is the case with Rob agree. Like he has not left the sport nice. in a better a better place. The fact that he sped it up, but like he does the stupidest things, like. Major League Baseball limits what even their partners, so a partner like NBC Sports uh, Bay Area, they limit mm-hmm. them to how many uh, highlight clips they can put on the internet for no reason because yep. they want to control it's it. Silly. but it's the stupidest thing ever because they're they're not being able to connect with their fan base because you can't see all the highlights that happen mm-hmm. in, like you can in the NBA. like as soon as somebody dunks in the NBA, not only is it put out by the 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 uh, television station that has the the rights, but then it's, like, put mm-hmm. out by so many other people. No. Major League Baseball puts a kibosh on all of that. They restrict Chris. everything, and they just don't get it. They don't get it at all, and, like, they're it, – it, it just feels like they're so caught in, like, an old man's game. And, like, just move forward. Like, figure it out. Yeah. Like, I, that's part of – like, our job, what we do here, you can't just, as you age in this in this arena as, as like, a mm-hmm. media member, you have to pick up things that, and start doing things that are, like, really mm-hmm. uncomfortable as far as, like, work product. You have to create a different way. When I stepped into this job, I looked around, and, you know, Sacramento Bee's got three reporters there and a cameraman and access mm-hmm. to Getty Photos, and then you got your radio station people that have three deep and... Mm-hmm. I'm there by myself. I ended up being a one-man band. I gotta take my own photos. I've got to write long form. I've got to write short form. I've got to start a podcast so I can compete with all of these different things. Like mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. You have to grow. You have to learn. You have to be part of an evolving media world. And I just feel like Major League Baseball under his tutelage has just died on the vine. Like he just, you yep. just don't get it. You don't know how to yep. connect. You don't know how to connect to anyone. You're losing yep. out to soccer. You're losing out to all of these other sports that are coming up. And you have no way to fix it because you got a guy who who realistically is just, he, he's just
0: not the guy. He's just not the one. Imagine a newspaper writer. You wrote for the, they cover the Kings for the Sacramento Bee. This is a mythical person. I, I genuinely am not picking. They've been in Sacramento since the Kings got here. And that's what they've done. They've covered the Kings for the Bee. <clears throat> Except they only write for print. And they won't get on social media and they won't. They'll do a radio hit before the game, but they won't go on TV and they won't do a podcast. And they're going to rely on, hey, people are going to pick up the newspaper and read my column. Like, imagine that in 2024 that wouldn't fly. And that's basically what baseball is trying to do. And I don't I, I I I don't know. Yeah, no, I care for the future of the sport.
1: Yeah, I do too. I do too. it's not uh it's not a sport that is going to grow. It, it doesn't have a connection a connection to multiple generations like it used to. Uh mm-hmm. it doesn't reach out to uh to different cultures and, and uh to different walks of life. It just doesn't. And and yep. it's and it's paying the price because of it.
0: I could do a—we only have a couple of minutes here, and there's one more thing I want to get to, but I could do a whole diatribe about the issues baseball has, just as a—not Major League Baseball, but baseball as a whole has with, like, access and barriers to entry for kids. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not playing travel ball by the time you're 12 years old now, you're screwed. You're oh, going no, fall it's, so far behind. It's more like, more like nine. No
1: it's more like nine. Yeah, I mean— I, you try yeah. coaching uh, competitive soccer and a twelve year old walks up and tries out for the team and you got no you got fifteen kids that have been there for three years working all these skills. Like they're yeah. there's they're years behind. They're yeah. what they are, they're hundreds and hundreds of hours, maybe even thousands of hours behind. There's no way to make that up. Yeah, it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah and it's even harder probably in 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 baseball. Um so Let's uh real quick before we get out of here. Jimmy Garoppolo yep. is being suspended. It was announced today as uh, being suspended two games for performance enhancing substances or violating the NFL's performance enhancing substance policy. That was according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Uh, the Raiders were expected to release him uh, before the fifth day of the new league year, which begins, I believe, March 13th. Uh, then he would have been guaranteed 11 and a quarter million dollars. So that would have been void anyway because of the suspension, but the Raiders are going to release him anyway to try and save that money. Tough go for Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Yeah. You got to wonder if it was like he's trying to smooth out the the crow's feet or something. <laughs> like, no, I'm, just, I'm
0: guessing it was something he took recovering from an injury. I haven't gotten to dive all the way into the story yet. but
1: He's like, I, I'm a ridiculously good-looking man. I probably should darken my hair. But he used <laughs> the product that has the performance-enhancing drugs in him.
0: That's it, and now you know that's
1: what that's how to. What happened?
0: Yeah, I feel I feel for him. Um, All right, let's hit the pause button briefly. We don't have any NBA games really to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the the Warriors win over the Jazz last night, uh, as it pertains to the the Warriors' place in the West. Let's take a look around the West. Uh, What teams have been surprising? What teams have been disappointing? Uh, We're gonna do a second half. Reset or a pre-second half reset today. Taking a look at uh, around the NBA, not just the Kings. We'll take a long look at the Kings as well, but we're going to look around the NBA too and just kind of see how things are shaking out through the first uh, fifty-plus games as we enter the All-Star break. That's James. I'm Kyle. We're the Insiders. We're sponsored by Jiffy Lube, and we're rocking with you till noon on ESPN thirteen twenty, Sacramento Sports Leader. the insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Matson, brought to you by Jiffy Loop on ESPN 1320. Alright, we're back in here. Gonna talk uh... I was gonna do. Mm, I wish I could remember the joke I had for the top of this segment and now I can't remember what it was. Damn. <laughs> I had a good joke. For the time, you track.
1: can't start this segment until you get the joke off.
0: No, I know that's what i now. I'm sitting here and I'm trying to vamp until I remember what it is. Oh, no, mm, that's you, brutal. That's can, tough for me.
1: You can do it, Kyle.
0: That's a tough go. It's fine. Um, at second half, first half, NBA. There we go. Um, I'm not gonna get this joke off, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, let's take a look around the NBA. We spent so much time. Focused on the Kings. That's one of the 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 issues of our of our two hour show. Is I feel like we don't get to crack into the rest of the league as much as as much as we might like. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take an opportunity to do that today. Uh, again, a little bit later on in the show, a deep dive on the Kings' first half, taking a look at what went right, what 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 didn't, and and what they need to do better going into the second half. Um, but let's let's talk. Uh, Western Conference and and really just kind of the rest of the NBA James and let's talk about some of these surprising things we've seen from from both the good and the bad so maybe surprising and disappointing things we've seen because I think at the top of the list for me is a team you and I talked about quite a bit in the preseason because we figured they would potentially be in the mix uh, for for a final play and uh, a final playoff spot in the West. Um, and that was the Timberwolves mm-hmm. because there were a lot of people very high on them in the preseason. I I don't think you were that bought in. I was not that bought in, uh, but they seem to have figured it out. And I don't know where you land on this, but I keep waiting for the shoe to drop with them, where it just kind of hits the fan and they have a really rough stretch and they wind up as like a four or five seed and they're maybe a first or second round exit. But it really looks like they figured it out. They're playing really really well.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think the problem that you have with the Timberwolves is that they've always been this team that's packed with talent and never gets over the hump mm-hmm. and never figures it out. And so, even last season, you know, they finished what? Let's see, eighth, ninth? No, eighth, eighth mm-hmm. in the West. They were tied for tied for eighth and ninth with uh, at forty two and forty. They just weren't that good. And this is basically the same team, and you kept them together you kept the coaching staff together and you let them grow into who they can be. And to me, that's, you know, it's kind of the product of that. You're, you're allowing mm-hmm. a team to mature. And it's, we talk about this with the Kings all the time, the running it back mentality uh, for the most part, Minnesota ran it back. Not only that, they didn't make a move at the deadline. They, they feel mm-hmm. like that team, but Kyle, I'm with you. Um, They are just like one short stint away from, from being a team that slides, but the difference that I, I I'll put them in a, in a category, they're the best defensive team in the league, and it's not even close. They're they they're, are so
0: good on on defense.
1: Yeah, they're allowing their opponents to shoot uh, to score one hundred six point seven points per game, and no one else is is even remotely close at all. Like in the Western Conference, they're not and there's not another team that's allowing it uh, their opponents to score less than one hundred ten point eight. That's the next Denver is 110.8. So you're looking at four points per game better than anyone else. And in the East, there's a couple, uh, you know, Cleveland's at one Oh nine point two and New York's at one Oh nine point nine. But just this is one of the most impressive defensive teams that we've seen in this modern NBA where no one plays defense. And and that's where I would point out that no one else in the league is playing defense realistically. And no one in the West outside of the Minnesota Timberwolves and that's the one thing that if we're going to talk about sustainability that I'd point to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. They So they lost their season opener to the Raptors. And then uh, two games later, they lost to the Hawks. Um, since then, their losses are at Phoenix, home to Sacramento, uh, at New Orleans, at Philly, at Oklahoma City, at the New York Knicks, who you just talked about, are playing really well right now. They lost to the Pelicans again they lost in Dallas. They lost in OT to Boston. Like they they're just they they lost to the Hornets and then they lost at the Spurs by one. But beyond that, like it there's not a lot of losses on their schedule where you're going, "Man, that's that's a ooh, yikes." Team yeah. The Wolves. They typically just go in and take care of business. And if they're losing, they're losing to other teams who are who are really really good. They haven't lost more than two in a row all year. And they've wow. only done that twice.
1: That's wild. Yeah, I that's mean they're really, really good great. and they're built you know they're so incredibly long and athletic but then you have sort of the the chaos player and Anthony Edwards yeah. and so you have this ability to defend just about any team in the league and then on top of that you've got this ability to have somebody who who just causes wreaks havoc and, and can score at every level and so yeah they're impressive they're they're a team that's built really well and And built for the long term, Kyle, I think that that would be the other thing. This isn't a team that I mean, they could go away this season and and draw back a few spots, but they're not Mm -hmm. going away. This is a team that you're going to be competing with for the next five years of Sacramento Kings.
0: I think two other teams, maybe not the next five years, but but certainly this year, if the Kings are going to climb back up and and make a push for one of the top three or four seeds in the West, uh, that's Oklahoma City and L.A. I don't. Oklahoma City is not a a huge surprise to me because it's just kind of the the maximized version of of what you thought they could they could be if everything really went right for them this year. The Clippers though, I am shocked. I am totally stunned that the Clippers are sitting here at 36 and 17 and since James Harden arrived, they've been one of the best teams in basketball. That floors me. Yeah, that uh, Dead wrong on that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you too. Um, I I didn't think that they would be able to piece this all together, but I mean, as much as the the rules may have hurt the Philadelphia 76ers uh, with making players play in mm-hmm. the Joel Embiid situation, I think they've actually really helped the Clippers. Like, not oh. only are they are they uh, are these guys Red playing. Board. But they're building continuity quicker than they would have if if they were pulling the same shenanigans they have in the last five years, where guys play one night and then they don't play the next. And then you know you're you're never really getting your entire team on the court. By having your entire team on the court most of the season, you're building continuity, you're moving forward and and you're building something. And uh, to me, yeah. if I'm the rest of the Western Conference, I'm really, really worried about the clippers. You're right, the organic yeah. growth of the of the Thunder is a little expected, although they were the 10th seed last year, 40 and 42. And mm-hmm. they, they're they just so young that you didn't know if they could take this leap now. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, a big, big shout-out to SGA, but also to Chet and to Jalen yeah. Williams, who's been tremendous. Um, even, yeah. you know, Josh Giddy, We don't talk to Josh Giddy around here a whole lot uh, because of his off-the-court stuff. But my goodness, uh, you know, like that team is player. they're gritty they're they play a smart brand of basketball mm-hmm. uh they're incredibly well coached and you can see that they have just been stacking blocks forever and they're the one mm-hmm. team that everyone in the league should be looking out for because they have the potential to make some gigantic move that isn't out there right now but could be mm-hmm. and that's a team you're going to always worry about that they have you know again a war chest that they can delve into to try to improve this roster. And I expect him to do it uh, very soon.
0: One of the things that impresses me with, with OKC is how well they've supplemented their high end talent. Oh yeah. I like did and got SGA. You talked about Jalen Williams, the Santa Clara version, J-dub, uh, Chet Holmgren obviously <clears throat> has, has panned out really nicely after missing all of last year, but then just guys like the other Jalen Williams, Isaiah Joe, Case and Wallace, like they just have, they, uh, uh, Lou Dort has, has been there for a while now. They just, there's never a lineup when I'm watching Oklahoma city where I go, well, this doesn't really make sense. Yeah. This player is not very good. Like there's just all they're just all guys you can't leave open and who, and who try their, their butts off.
1: Yeah. And I would say that they, because they have so many draft picks every year that they have been able to kind of sift through and, and find, you know, flakes of gold in the bottom mm-hmm. of the pan. Um, yeah. You know, because when you're, they're they're doing it on a mass scale. Every year they're yeah. bringing in two or three players and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. So they do have that kind of advantage where I, I think they're hitting more than most teams, but I also think they have more like swings than most teams, and so yeah. that's a big deal as well. And like the way that they've been able to build a system and build a, a an identity as like gritty and. and uh, you know, a, a team that will fight you and, and wants to be their defensive minded group, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, multi-positional players, everyone's a multi-positional player. That's really tough. You know, they're probably mm-hmm. one or two big time pieces away from being like a true contender, but they're really close.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think the Clippers, as we uh, brought them up as well, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, is it... 24, 6, and 4 for the season, shooting 52.7% from the field and 45.3% from 3. Then you have Paul George, who's at 22.5, 5, and 4, shooting 45.8% from the field and 39.3% from 3. And then you have James Harden, who has settled nicely into whatever his role is being the system. At 17.5 points, he's at 5 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and he's shooting 42.1% from 3. Not to mention Norman Powell, who's hitting 45% of his five attempts a game.
1: Yeah, and as much as you talk about all those numbers, uh, the thing I'm going to circle and point out, Russell Westbrook, 53 games. Norman Powell, 53 out of 53. Uh, Mm -hmm. Paul George, 50. James Harden, Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard, 48 each. Uh, Terrence Mann, 47 games. Like, that is the difference with this team. They're healthy. They're playing. Zubats has missed some games, but he's still at 43 games. Um, yeah, yeah, this is a team that's that's built. Uh, their veteran squad. They're gonna be really tough.
0: Yeah, Zubots, Plumlee, Tice. They have they have a really good big rotation. That just if they stay healthy, they're gonna be a really really tough out in the West. Let's uh, let's continue talking about this. We'll give out some midseason awards as well. Uh, coming up on the other side of this break, that's James and Kyle with the Insiders on ESPN thirteen twenty Sacramento Sports Leader. Back to the insiders with James Hammond and Kyle Madsen. brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN thirteen twenty. All right, I remember what I was going to say at the start of the last segment that I couldn't remember, and it derailed me. And it's fine. Uh, James, did you catch the NBAI uh, presentation? From I did. Adam Silver. I did not. All right, I'm going to bring this up on the video stream. If you want to check it out at youtubecom ESPN 1320 or twitchtv ESPN 1320 <laughs> I'm just going to show this to you guys and then and then we can react to it. Here's what uh, here's what the NBA is while <laughs> while we wonder what they're going to do about, you know, the the influx of offense and not letting guys play defense and touch fouls and the poor officiating and the review system and this and that. Well, what they're going to do about this. Here's what Adam Silver's been working on. NBAI, show me the Pacers game
1: as if it were a Spider-Man movie.
0: hmm Generates. It's generating. Real time with the game. Who is this
1: for? In real time. Who is this for? I don't know. How much of the actual game am I missing while this is going on too?
0: I have no idea. If you're listening on the on the radio or the on the on the Free Odyssey app, um what that was was if you're familiar with like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, it was a Pacers and I don't even know the other team. It was a Pacers game. That was that looked like it was from into the Spider Verse.
1: It's like they they clipped a comic book and and made that as like the stills of a basketball. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but the NBA I apparently does this to games like as they're happening.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of want to watch. Who is
0: this? I'm out. I I want to watch.
1: I want to watch Kingston Spurs as if it as if they're Phineas and Ferb. Can I do that? Because I, right. I I want how, to see Victor Wembanyama as Ferb.
0: How deep does this go? I don't know. Like how? Pause. Uh, like, wow. What, can I? <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I be like, yeah? Hey, show me a pre World War Two. Show me the the Kings game in pre World War Two fashion, uh, but in the style of a Charlie Chaplin French silent film. Oh. Like, can I, is that a thing that happens? Or is it very, like, strictly movies or, or studios that have a deal with the NBA?
1: See, that's what I want to know. Can we get, like, Kings versus Warriors brought, like, Force Gump version or something? I don't know. <laughs> There's only animated movies right here. Who is Lieutenant? Yeah, right. Chris Paul is Lieutenant Dan. Perfect. And this right really <laughs> That is exactly what's happening. Yeah. And no I, I just
0: i I would love to know <laughs> I would love to sit down with Adam Silver and just ask him, like, what is this for? who Who is this catering to? You know I what don't... though,
1: I, I can't okay. We can't roast Rob Manfred for being so ass backwards and, and like, like so detached from the modern day. But then when Adam Silver creates something that's totally wild and different, we we roast him too. Like I, I guess there should be a happy no, medium, but
0: the, you're right. There's there's a middle ground. There's a there's a difference between like, hey, let's let's appeal to a broader audience, and hey, let's just use AI to do things to basketball games that doesn't need to be done. Do you know it would make basketball more fun to watch if it was officiated better? Oh, that's true. That'd be I I, I don't know. I I just, I, 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 maybe they're, maybe they're trying, maybe there's like a sect of, of kids and teenagers out there that are like, I'm out on basketball, unless it looks like Spider-Man and they're going to draw those, those people in, but man, and maybe this is one of those things that one day the technology is going to be so crazy that you can't, nobody's watching the same game because everybody is, is watching something different. I just,
1: okay. So Kyle, here's where I could see it working. It's it's like seven o'clock in the evening. You, you just had dinner. You want to watch the game, but your kids want to watch cartoon. And you're like, hey, I have an idea. Let's watch the game and a cartoon at the same time and see how long it takes before the kids are like, wait a sec. This isn't a, this doesn't make any sense. Because kids won't care; they're just gonna be like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Like, "Oh, look at that! That guy jumped." I, I guess I-, I, you know, Kyle, I think that that's what where we're catering to here.
0: But this is a this is a great point in 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 the chatty house by A. R. Halden and James. This, this fits kind of what you were saying. They said uh, A. R. Halden says, "I mean, those clips would work on TikTok and YouTube Shorts for the younger generation." That is a great point. Yep. If you're gonna have that, and you're gonna clip a Tyrese Halliburton lob to Benedict Matherin and you're going to make it look like into the Spider-Verse. That's great. And, and maybe that's ultimately what this is for. I'm just not totally sure that the live game as pick your favorite animated feature is ever going to catch on.
1: Yeah. I I just don't understand. And plus what's the licensing that goes into that? I, I don't know how that works. So I don't know. Maybe if you've created it all yourself and you're just like, it has, like, presets that, that look sort of like something like that but aren't anywhere. They're not totally copyright infringing. But still, that that seems a little little chaotic. I, I mean, I guess if you have the whole Disney catalog,
0: uh, I don't know. I kind of, like, yeah, show me show me it as a Pixar film or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't know. There's some really good suggestions in the, in the chatty house if you want to log on to YouTube.com uh, slash ESPN1320 and check those out. Um, keep them coming. How would you want to watch an NBA game? Well, I think I could watch a Warriors,
1: Warriors game in Shrek uh, mode.
0: That would oh, be fun. Oh, that'd be fun.
1: Yeah, because we know who Donkey is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, We could have Chris Paul as Lord Farquaad. I think that plays. <laughs> <laughs> One of the oh, great man.
1: characters in the history of, of children's film right there. Yeah. Lord Farquaad. Yes. Farquad. yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, 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 on. oh, man. Um, um, other surprises in the NBA for you, James, in the first half?
1: Other surprises for me. Um, I think, like, on the bad side, like, we're going to have plenty of things too, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that the Bulls are perpetual disappointments. And the same with the Hawks. Like, they're both, like, they're just disappointing because you're like man you got a lot of talent talent should win in the nba but they're proving that talent doesn't win and even we you go like diving deep in to the atlanta hawks like quinn snyder has been a great coach forever I, and yeah. i don't understand how he can't go in there and, and try to figure out how to work within the confines of that group and, and make them better but anytime you're talking about trade season and you you could come up with like seven different deals for one team be it the bulls or the hawks where you're like oh man mm-hmm. you know the kings get bogdanovich or dejounte murray or clint capella and you just keep going you're like man that team has a lot of talent how
0: come they're not winning <laughs> when the kings played in atlanta we we're like this isn't a very good team i mean they have trey young yeah And they have dejounte murray and all those names you just said like, how is this team bad I know. He's the same. You're like, man. Squad. Jalen Johnson can play.
1: I sure would love to have Alex Caruso. Man, he's good. Oh, you know. Kobe White. Uh, uh, Tamar DeRozan. Would you, would you take Tamar DeRozan? We've had that conversation. Would you take DeMar DeRozan on your team? And I'm like, eh, yeah. not really. But I would yeah. take Patrick Williams. And the next thing you know, you're like, boy, how are they bad? How, how are they not any good? And so that's one of my most surprising things that the – the good teams that are good. And then there's bad teams that just figure out how to, how to be bad and perpetually
0: bad. I let the, I try to limit the number of Laker fans I follow on Twitter yeah, for obvious reasons. And the Lakers media people I follow, I really try to make sure that I follow Laker people who are more down the middle and, and more, uh, more honest than like we're winning the championship every single year kind of kind of thing, because that, that sucks. So I, I, I follow what I, I think good, good Laker media people. And I, they convinced me this off season that the Lakers were just going to be a title contender. I was so in on the idea of all the moves they made and Gabe Vincent and, and uh, Torian Prince and oh, Austin Reeves is going to take a little bit of a reduced role. They're not going to rely on him so much, but he can still shoot it. And that's and that. I was, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm I bought in. I see it. I see the vision. And it is not it. it they are bad. I'm, I'm, I was, I was bamboozled. <laughs> I was hoodwinked. I was led astray. And that's ultimately my fault. It's my fault for not, for not zooming out and, and, taking that roster for, for what it was. Kyle, I
1: told you, you can't take a, a group of players that are perpetual losers that, that do not win in other stops. And I'm not saying they're losers as in they're losers in life. They're just bad people or they're They're just bad basketball players, but players that have never won games. And then think that you're just going to put them on a team. And Hey, I, like take LeBron James out of the equation. Like, before Anthony Davis got to LeBron James, he was the same. He was a guy who had never got his team over the hump, who had never figured mm-hmm. it out, who always missed too many games, who always went in the locker room at halftime didn't come back out. Like, you can't take all of those players and just think, raw talent, give me Christian Wood, give me Rui Hachimura, give me uh, D'Angelo Russell, give me like, all of these pieces that – no one else. Even you know, everyone's talking about. Oh my gosh, they went out and got Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh yeah, I remember Spencer Dinwiddie winning all kinds of stuff. Wait, no, I don't.
0: I, I, the that's what I was not when they got Spencer Dinwiddie. It's like for what? For what? For who? For what? Yeah. Like, it's not going to help more. More. I, I just...
1: more of the same players that just can't. They they don't impact winning. That's it. And.
0: And how much can you lean on? I, I'm I'm not going to doubt anything LeBron can or can't do physically at this point, but are he's having to play a lot of minutes, and he is a lot of years old, and you have Anthony Davis now playing a lot of minutes in a lot of games. Is that going to last into May and June? No. If they even do make the playoffs at all. Like, that's that's got to be a question. I know that they were on a search for a third star, and it's like, bro, it's not there for you.
1: Well, in searching for a third star, like, what age point? You know, because I, I think that that's, that's the other thing. Like, if we look at individual people who went to individual places, like Bradley Beal going to the Phoenix Suns, it's like, okay, you got yourself a third star who doesn't mm. play, who who was ineligible for postseason awards like 25 already? games into the season. <laughs> right, right. Like, he'd already missed seventeen, more than 17 games. He's already ineligible, and we're like – Hey, it's still like we haven't got to Christmas yet. Like how do you how do you sit there and think that that's going to be the answer? And I guess what the Lakers have done, they've tried to accumulate talent that then they could hopefully trade for better talent um because again, other teams around the league always like to just bow down to the to their their whims and and give the Lakers everybody because you're going to end up there anyways. It's just it's totally bizarre for me. Well, I don't hear Kyle. Kyle mooted himself.
0: That's my bad. I had to cough, yes. and I didn't unmute. That's my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> um, foul on me. It's uh, that's one. I got fouls to give. Uh, the uh, I want to jump back over to the good, the good, surprising side. Yeah, the bad, surprising side. Uh, I'm shocked by the Pacers.
1: That Stop. they're this good.
0: That they're this good. Stop. But they're, but they're not like over the
1: top good.
0: I don't know. They're the they're putting. I did not anticipate the Pacers having the m- most efficient offense of all time. Okay, it's just uh, it, it, they. I, I I thought the Pacers were one of those teams that like yeah okay maybe they're a play-in team and maybe they you know maybe they get into the playoffs that way and they're a first round exit. But they look legitimately dangerous now. And then they go they they push their chips in and they go get Pascal Siakam and they didn't really have to give up any of their major core pieces to do it. It's like man, that's a Good, good on the Pacers.
1: I would agree. I, I would tell you though that uh, while we were sleeping on the Pacers, uh, the uh, Jesse's Boston Celtics have actually moved ahead of the Indiana Pacers in offensive rating. They're now at one twenty point eight oh. versus one twenty point five. Kyle, the fact is that no one's wow. playing defense at all this year. <laughs> I think that's one of the that's other the f- surprises. Maybe it's a good surprise. I don't know, because then it makes the Kings I mean, the fact that the Kings are middle of the road in defense and we all watch the Sacramento Kings a lot, they're eighteenth in defense, uh in defensive rating, up from what, twenty fourth or twenty fifth last year? They're they're worse defensively this year than they were last year. But they've moved up and that's just it tells you right. just how bad everyone is. I mean
0: What what's more surprising to you while we're while we're talking pacers? Okay that at the all-star break the pacers have 31 wins or that the kings have 31 wins
1: it's the kings that's yep. more surprising I, I think the kings have been a one of the surprises of the of the season is that they've not been very good i mean they've they're in the same record whatever they haven't taken a step that that to me is yep. one of the surprises um and it, it goes under the bad surprises like the kings record right now yeah I'm not putting that under like, oh look, they're they're above 500 for the second straight season, man. They are clinging to life in the eighth seed.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. the you can be, and this is where <clears throat> this is where I have a hard time because I talked to some Kings fans who were like, dude, they are good. They they are winning more games than they're losing. I will take it after 10 years. Yeah, and that's fine. It's, and and if that's how you're enjoying the Kings, like please do it. I I love that. But I think realistically, if you're a person that was wanting to see some kind of growth and like, hey, making the playoffs is great, but like, that's what teams are supposed to do now go be a title contender. I don't know how this the the start of this season, I'm not going to say this season as a whole, because we don't know what the final 28 games have hold, but they might go 20 and eight and all of a sudden we're like, holy smokes, look at this team. But through the first 54, I don't know how you, you think it's not at least a little disappointing.
1: Yeah, Kyle, I don't know what would it take for this team to convince you that that they're a good team, that that they are a team that's gotten right and are on the right path again. Because to me, I, I'm I'm questioning that. Going into the All-Star break, I'm question what would it take? How would they have to turn a corner? And we got 28 games. Do they have to win 20? Do they have to win 19? And go what nineteen and nine and uh and hit the fifty win mark, is that what would convince you? Is it that? Uh, and to me, it's it doesn't. I don't want to say wins and losses don't matter. I have to see some sort of consistency, and I have to That's see it. some sort of identity, because uh, you know I I keep hearing people say, oh the Lakers found their identity. They've gone seven and one. It's like, oh, okay. I mean the Kings just went five and two on a road trip. They didn't find their identity. Like, yeah. and still what's their identity i'll tell you what the lakers identity is if lebron james can't go for 30 10 and 12 they're going to lose <laughs> that's your identity yeah. like welcome to the the world that that that's your identity
0: right their identity <laughs> yeah it's the same their identity, identity it was five years best ago players have to play like their two best players <laughs>
1: yeah see your identity <laughs> is identical to what it was five years ago except for your your star is now 39 that's your identity yeah. Like outside of that, I don't know what it is. So, I you know thing, one time I would like to see a team. I'm I, just sorry. It's a segue. I, no, one no, no, time I, I would like to see a team build a roster around LeBron James that was the right roster, just once. Like, and we're we're gonna run out of time before that happens. But
0: dude, I was I was told the Lakers did that.
1: No, I was Kyle.
0: told Gabe Vincent. And Rui Hachimura and Torium Prince, are surrounding him with shooters, and off ball and and secondary ball handlers with with uh, pause with Austin Reeves and with with D'Lo and oh my gosh, look at these guys! Actually, D'Angelo Russell, there's already a D'Lo on this station. Sorry, but with D'Angelo Russell and look at all the the stuff they've done for LeBron, and nope. it's just still not good enough. No, it's just the uh, wrong group. It is like, what's the ah. right group? Clay Thompson and Buddy Hield.
1: Well, no, I'll tell you. Okay, so first of all, Clay Thompson, sure.
0: Shout um, yeah, out to Clay, by the way, thirty-five he, off the bench last night. Yeah,
1: he was impressive off the bench. No, what I would like to see them do, I think that that's one thing about Monty McNair that that I totally dig, that he saw who his stars were very quickly, and he went out and handpicked like five or six other players to play alongside those guys that would complement them. Now, mm-hmm. has he been perfect? No, because he, they still don't have the shot blocker. They still don't have the long, athletic, defensive guy. But, like, those guys don't grow on trees. And, and you're, you're having a difficult time filling one position. But mm-hmm. if you put LeBron James on the Sacramento Kings and, and just just say you swapped him out for, for either one, De'Aaron Fox or De'Manus Sabonis,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: that's a team. That, it, 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 and Monty McNair built it for two other dudes. But that's how you could have built it. And it's the same thing. I keep watching the the Dallas Mavericks who can't build the team for Luka. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't figure it out. And you know who it isn't? It's not Kyrie Irving. That's not the right fit. He's a star, and you get to say you have a star, but that's mm-hmm. not how you build around a star. And right. that's where I think, realistically, when you look at Money's upbringing in the NBA through the Rockets, it just stands out. It stands out completely yep. that yep. you went out and you star chased, but you you found stars that fit together and then after you found those stars, you just built the other guys out, whether it was through the G League or through minimum scale contracts or whatever it was, you found ways to find to build the other pieces out. And that's yep. where if I'm, you know, the Kings, I'm 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 looking at Monty long term and saying, Okay, do it again. Like continue to do that. And it wasn't just all Monty and, and Houston, but that's how he was brought up in the league.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that Houston team, and they had James Harden, and they had Chris Paul for a beat, but, and then they had Dwight Howard, I guess, early on in that. In that they had in Harden that and
1: Dwight mid, together.
0: In 2010s, yeah. But it was a lot of the Trevor Reeses and the Eric Gordons and the P.J. Tuckers and the Daniel Houses and just finding guys that, yep, you can spread them out to the corner, you can let your stars work, and when the defense collapses, there's a guy over there that can hit a three. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, isn't that just kind of the Kings? They're just a kind of souped up version of that.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I, it's the move. Yeah. You, that's how you have to build a team go back to the old Houston Rockets with Hakeem Olajuwon and Otis Thorpe in the post. And then you just built all of these, you know, uh, you brought in Mario Ellie, you brought in Robert Orr, you brought in uh, uh, Bullard, you brought in like all of these elite shooters to surround them. And then you could, you could still have a Clyde Drexler. They could, they mm-hmm. could take people off the dribble and attack in different ways. But you, what yeah. you had to do first is, uh, again, Sam Cassell. You had all these guys. You have to build out the spacing for players like LeBron. And it, it seems so simple, but, man, it sure is difficult. It sure is difficult for uh, the Lakers to actually get it right.
0: You brought up the the Kings in the second half and like what what amount of wins they would need to get to be like this is a good team but you said something really important in there that i think it requires a lot of nuance and you said the wins don't necessarily matter mm-hmm. and th- there's obviously like a threshold right <laughs> they can't go they, what they can't go four and 24 but yeah you know whether it's 19 and 9 or 18 and 10 or 21 and 7 whatever whatever the number is i think for for me in the second half and we'll talk about this more with the kings later on but it's just avoiding those those two three game stretches where they look like they've never played basketball together before or where they look like there's literally anywhere they'd rather be than on a basketball court that night yeah and just competing night in and night out i mean th- we saw them compete like heck in phoenix okay they didn't pull out a win but you'll take you'll take that kind of game and then you saw them they didn't even play well against denver but they they grinded their way to a win and that, that's what I would like to see, just that that competitiveness. And I think that ultimately for this team over their final twenty-eight, they have some really tough games. They also have some not so tough games in there. I don't think it's crazy that they go that they go nineteen and nine, or wait, that's the math, right? Nineteen and nine, or or uh, eighteen and ten, or or something like that. I don't think that's that's off the table at all. But they have to they they need to be a better version of. The, they need to be the team they were the last two games, for for the rest of the way. For me to for me to be like, okay, they're they're here.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Kyle, they've had one four game losing streak all season. Right. Outside of that, they've been mm-hmm. relatively consistent with you know how they win and lose games. Like they they just went through mm-hmm. a stretch where they lost four out of five, but that was coming off a stretch where they won six out of seven. And right. I think for me, it really doesn't come down to can they string together like an eight game win streak. It, right. it, it really comes down to, can they show up every night and actually play? And at the end of the day, right. when, when you look at their record and you think, okay, you can have a couple of bad games in the second half. Mm-hmm. You, let's, let's just put the number three, right? You can have a, three bad games where you just don't bring it sure. that night. That doesn't mean that you're going to win the other 25. Mm-hmm. But you can't have a game every week or every two weeks that yes. is such a dud that sets you back so far, that makes you fodder for for people like you and I.
0: Yep. That's what you can't do.
1: So, yeah.
0: You have to come out, you have to beat the Spurs, and then at the Clippers on on Sunday, February 25th, like that's when I circle where if they lose that game 113-111 because Kawhi hit a three at the buzzer, but the Kings played really well, like, okay, you lost that game, but you played well. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. But if they come out and they go a, a home against San Antonio and San Antonio beats him by 10, it's like, like, that's not, that's not good. That's not where you want to be. No. So start I, playing I think taps.
1: That's what you do right there.
0: It's definitely a vibe thing. And, and fans know, like the, the, you can, you can see it go on Twitter after a Kings game. Like fans will tell you exactly, uh, how, how, what the vibe is with the Kings based on, based on the, uh, results so i love i love kings um, fans i love king they're, they're they're really great yeah. i i i really like you guys a lot yeah. um let's uh this is fun let's continue this discussion we'll give out some mid-season nba awards we'll do them around the league we'll do them for the kings we'll have some superlatives for the kings uh, all that's coming up next stay locked in to espn 1320 uh sacramento sports later